Um, well, like I said, we're going to start a new series today, and um, I- I'm excited about it. It's one of the, the, the highlights of the year, and it's also one of the, the nightmares of the year. Because here's the thing. There are a lot of people that are in relationships that are not right. There's a lot of people that are in relationships that are right. There's a lot of people that question whether their relationship is right or wrong. And I don't have all the answers. Can I just declare that to you today? Can I just confess that? I don't have all the answers. And, um, and while the Word of God talks about a lot of stuff about marriage and, and all that, it doesn't answer every question about it. But it does give us principles that we can apply to our relationships, right? And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about in the series um, today. And here's my ultimate goal. And, and, and if you've been here before, you, you often realize that I'm a preacher. I like to preach. I like to preach and make points, and you can write easy points down. I'm going to have some of those. But during this time, as we do every month of February, it's more of a teaching time. And my wife, Heather, she's going to be gracious enough to come and teach with me, hopefully next week. Um, so she's going to get up and uh, share her heart about um, her marriage and how wonderful it is. <laughs> and our sex life and how wonderful that is. <laughs> I'll let her share that. <laughs> but she's going she's gonna to help me. And so anyways, here, here's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal at Thousand Hills is this. We desire to reveal God's truths, listen, in a grace-filled way so that, that we might see all people come to Christ. You may be here today and you're in a wrong relationship. You've, you've failed in relationships. You may have been divorced like 16 times. Listen, this church is for you. You said, no, nah, I've done too much. I mean, God, you know, God really, I mean, he probably doesn't care about what I'm doing. He doesn't care about, you know, my past or, or whatever else is going on. And I don't understand why that's happening. <laughs> I have ADD, by the way. Um, but here's the thing. I, I, uh, I want everybody to know that in no way are we saying at this church that we have everything right. Because we don't. I am a sinner just like you. I have failed in, in, in some areas of my marriage and some areas of relationships in the past. And listen, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short, and none of us have gotten it right. Only one person really did, and he walked this earth, and his name was Jesus. And so if we can lead him to you, and you can get your eyes focused on him, he'll never fail you. Put your eyes on me, I'm going to fail you. So as you hear this message today, know that it's in grace that we share what we share. But we do want to share the truth. Here's the thing. Here's what we're saying. If the world, if the world is going to share and shove their idea of the way sex and marriage and dating should be done, then better, we better be talking about it ourselves. The church has got to be talking about it. And honestly, we should be leading the conversation, not just following the media. Uh, you may be thinking, well, I, you know, this kind of subject doesn't need to be talked about in church. It should be talked about and handled by the parents. And guess what? You're right. But here's the problem. Parents aren't sharing it. They're not sharing the truth, and, and they're not revealing the truth to their, ch- their children. So we feel at, at Thousand Hills Trans Church that, that we have to share about these truths so that we can keep people from going down a wrong path. And here's the truth. The, the issues that we will cover, they're, they're not uncommon. They're just uncommon in church. Everybody's talking about dating. Everybody's talking about sex. 
Everybody's talking about marriage, but in many churches, the church is silent. So here's the thing. If you don't want to hear about this subject, now is your chance to leave and go sit in la-la land in some other church that is afraid to talk about what God talks a lot about. We do not apologize for what we're going to talk about. You know why I cannot apologize or why I don't apologize? Because everything that I'm going to share with you today is found right here. And this is what I'm committed to preach. And so that's what we're going to talk about. The title of the series is Till Death Do Us Part. Till Death Do Us Part. This vow, and listen, this vow, Till Death Do Us Part, has been, it's been in the vows for years. But listen, here's something that I've noticed. I noticed that this vow is changing. Can I give you some illustrations? Can I give you some, some of the things that I've heard in vows? Here's, here's some of the things that I've heard. For as long as we continue to love each other. For as long as our love shall last. Until our time together is over. And you say, well, I know, I, I, none of that's being said. Absolutely, it's being said. You know why? Because in a lot of marriages, and a lot of p- couples' lives today, they have seen nothing but the wrong way to do marriage. And they're scared. They go into marriage thinking, well, you know, i got to have an out. i got to have something that I can do to, that has an out. And, and some call these vows, these new vows, realistic. But you know what I call them? I, I would argue that they're a recipe for failure. Because you're setting yourself up to end it wrong. And let's be honest, even for us that have said, till death do us part, the truth is that over half of the couples that even say, till death do us part, don't make it. They don't make it even if they say those words. And so again, it's not necessarily about words. It's more about that commitment or that covenant. And we're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. Well, for many in today's culture, their their idea is I got to have conditions. And that's what these vows kind of say. Listen to these, you know, conditions like as long as I feel like loving you, I will. As, As long as you give me what I want, will be married. As long as you do what I say, as long as we remain on the same page, as long as we see eye to eye. And people put on these conditions, and, and, and everything has a condition. Well, here's the truth. As for me, these empty vows, in most cases, are going to be proof that they're going to be self-fulfilling prophecies, and they're going to end prematurely. And so it's changing. Things are changing. And, and here's the thing. A true commitment of till death do us part, or I, when I do a wedding, I, I often use the words because I don't, some people, they just don't like death in their marriage. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you say the word death, it's like, oh, okay, great. That's fulfilling. You know, <laughs> woo death. And so what I've replaced it with, and again, I believe this has the same, you know, the same uh, to the grave kind of a thought is, is this. For as long as we both shall live. For for as long as we both shall live. You know what that statement shows me? It shows me that it's unconditional. I mean, all these other vows that people are making up, they're all conditional. But with this, it's unconditional. And I mean that the only condition is what? Death. The only condition is death. And in God's economy, listen, he desires for death to be the only reason for your marriage to end. That's his desire. And, and, and as, I, as I 
Say these words. Here's here's the thing, and I want to reiterate what I just said earlier. Many of you sit here, and you are sitting in shame. You are sitting in regret. You're even probably sitting there in anger because you yourself or one of your ex failed in keeping that promise, and you're divorced. Can I just say it again? We are glad that you're here. In a lot of churches, you would be walking in with a scarlet letter on. And they would look at you like, man, how could they ever? At Thousand Hills Ranch Church, guess what we do? We tear off the scarlet letter and we want you to know that you are more welcome than any other church person in this church. Can I get an amen on that? The stereotypical church that doesn't welcome sinners, even though we're all sinners, is not Thousand Hills Ranch Church. It's not. We've realized that because of our Pharisaic attitudes, people aren't coming to church. So we're tearing down the religious barriers that keep people away from Christ, and we are trying to reach people that are flawed just like me. And so listen. As we look at this, and you're thinking, well, I'm I'm sitting here in shame, I've been divorced, I regret all this stuff. Listen, I'm sorry for your pain. I really am. I have to deal with all kinds of uh, stuff that's going on in, in relationships that's not good. I deal with, you know, counseling with people that are ready to give it up. I don't, I don't understand all that, and I praise God that I haven't had to go through it. But I do understand that you are in pain, a lot of you. But here's the thing. I want to say this. As a God-fearing preacher, I have to say this. I have to say that, that my failures and your failures cannot keep us from still preaching the truth in love. Does that make sense? Just because I have failed at uh, things, we've all failed, right? We've all failed. Therefore, listen, I cannot say because I've failed that I'm not going to preach about sin. I can't do it. You know why? Because then then I wouldn't be the preacher that God wants me to be. The truth is, the mindset that says, oh, Bo, you can't talk about divorce. You can't talk about sex. You can't talk about marriage. That idea that you're going to offend somebody. I mean, someone someone might walk out. Listen, that idea is what keeps, that idea is what keeps people from going down the wrong path Because no one will speak the truth about what God says about the subject. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about it. I'm not one of those preachers that's going to just not talk about something because I'm afraid about offending someone or hurting someone's feelings. I'm going to speak the truth in love so that we can keep people from going down that path again and again. Does that make sense? And so that's why we're going to be talking about what we're talking about. Um, You know what? God still intends for his people to have a marriage that lasts till death do us part. That's his intention, and that's what he desires. And that's what we're going to equip you to do through this this series. I want to look at one one key scripture with you. or I want you to look at one key scripture with me. I'm distracted. Look at it with me. Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. It says this. But as at, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. Now listen, you say, that's a great truth, Bo. How do I accomplish that? How do I get to the point to where I can truly say that I'm going to be in this marriage till death do us part? Well, here's what we have to do first. We have to establish our authority. We have to establish who we're going to follow. And you say, well, what, what, what do you mean by that? Listen, if I, if I want to train a horse, I'm going to go to an authority. If I want to uh, learn how to barrel race, I might go to Josie, Martha Josie, is that her name? Martha Josie's clinic. If I want to train a horse, I might go to Chris Cox's clinic. If, if I want to, you know, uh, ride a saddle bronc, which I would never do, <laughs> I might go to Robert Etbauer's clinic or, or Billy Etbauer's clinic, and I might learn how to, to ride a bronc. But here's the thing. If we want to be the best, we've got to go to an authority that knows how to do it, right? And so here's the thing that I know about trainers. I, I've been to a lot of clinics, and I, and I love horse training and all that stuff. Here's the thing that I've learned. They all have experience. They all have proven methods, and they are all successful. I mean, it's hard to build anything on a, a failing, you know, uh, method, right? You've got to have success, you've got to have proven methods, and you've got to have experience. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to sex, when it comes to dating, and when it comes to marriage, we have access to the ultimate authority on the subject. A world-renowned authority. An authority who wrote the book on the subject. An authority who has a winning method. An authority that has more experience than we can fathom. And you say, who is that authority? It's God. It's God. The truth is that many married couples and teenagers and single people are failing in their marriages because they have made something or someone their authority. And it's not God. And so we have ultimately two choices to make when it comes to our authority. Number one, we can choose to make ourselves our authority. It's all about me. It's all about the culture. Whatever the culture says, whatever the world says is okay, that's what I'm going to do. That's the first choice. The second choice is God and God's word. Those are really our only two two choices. The culture has an opinion on, on the subjects of relationships and sex. Here's what the culture says. If it feels good, do it. As long as it feels good, go for it, right? Uh, There's no reason not to. I mean, whatever makes you happy, everyone is doing it so it can't be wrong. And our culture and and the world that we live in worships sex. I don't know if you've noticed that. Anybody notice that? Anybody watch TV? (laughs) Anybody go to the movies? Anybody read any magazines? Listen, you can go to the TV, you can go to the movies, you can go to the magazines, you can go to school, you can go to work, you can go to the bathroom stall at the Loves, and you're going to listen and be able to hear about sex. It's just everywhere. Our culture has, has, has begun to worship sex, and in many relationships today, the culture is the authority. And the truth is, that's why many marriages, that's why many relationships fail. The second choice is, uh, for an authority is God and his word. It's, it's God and his word. And many of you guys, you don't read God's word, and, and you, but, but, but you kind of wonder about it. Listen, some of you guys might be saying, well, come on, Bo. I mean, God knows nothing about today's culture. I mean, the Bible really, 
I mean, it was, it was uh, written about 2,000 years ago. How can it relate to us today? Maybe, maybe you say, well, that's all old hat. I mean, the Bible, it's out of date. The things, you know, that it talks about, they're archaic. I mean, how could it be an authority for us today in 2013? Let me give you some reasons. You ready for these? Let me give you some reasons why God and God's word should be our authority. Here's number one. Because God's the creator of the universe. <laughs> I could stop right there. You say, well, why? Why does God need to be the authority over what we do in our relationships? Here's why. Because he's the creator of the universe. He gives life to everything living and breathing. He is omniscient. You know what that means? It means that he's all-knowing. You know what that means, teenagers? He knows exactly what you wrote in that text while you were in church. <laughs> he's all-knowing. I might not be. Your mom may act like she is, but God is all-knowing. <laughs> he's the only one. I thought my mom was omniscient, but she's not. I got, a, I got away with some things. Um, but God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful is what that means. He's omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere at the same time. He's sovereign. That means that he is in control of every action on the face of the earth. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is our God. You say, why is he our authority? Why should I go to him? Because he's the God that created the heavens and the earth. I can't, I can't even fathom the things that he knows. He's an amazing God. And you say, well, that's not reason enough. Tell me some more. Listen, he knows everything about you. He knows where your birthmark is. He knows how much you weigh. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And for some of you, that's really easy. <laughs> you know, I, I take my hat off every now and then just so you know I'm not bald. It's not to honor God when I pray. It's to show you that I'm not bald. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. It could still happen. I know you guys are going to pray that on me. Bald. Pray bald. <clears throat> Listen, God knows, how, he knows what you're going to eat for lunch today. He knows the name of the waitress that you're going to see. Single people, listen, he knows who your husband or your wife will be. He already knows that. Couples without children, let's listen. He knows how many children you are going to have. He knows what gender they're going to be, and he even knows what name you will give them. That's what he knows. Teenagers, listen. He knows everything that you do, whether somebody sees it or not. He knows what you're going to be when you grow up. He knows everything. You say, well, why is he our authority, and, and how? how? How does he know? He's the one true God. And he should be our authority. And you say, well, what about his Bible? I mean, why does the Bible need to be our authority? I mean, we're talking about sex. We need to talk to Dr. Drew. We need to talk to Dr. Phil. We need to talk to Dr. Oprah. Because those people all know what it really is to, you know, have relationships. Listen. You say, well, why is the Bible? Why, why do we have to go to the Bible? Let me give you, let me give you why I, th I believe it is. Now, listen. Some of you guys are here today and you're like, I don't even trust the Bible. The Bible, to me, is, is, is full of flaws. Listen, okay, well, here, here's my argument for why I believe the Bible is, is true and why I believe it should be our authority. You know, here's, the, here's the main reason, because I've experienced it. I mean, I could quote verses, and I'm going to. 
I could tell you stories, and I'm going to, but here's the truth. The reason that I know that, that God's Word should be our authority is because I've experienced it. When I apply the truths of God's Word and I do what the Bible says, God does what He says He will do. When I say, God, forgive me because I've sinned against you, guess what he does? He forgives me. When I teach my kids the Bible, guess what they tend to do? They make better decisions. When I honor God with my money and my time, guess what he he ends up doing? He meets my every need. When I give God my marriage, guess what? He blesses it. You say, how do I know? How do I know that the Bible's true? Because I've experienced it. Because it's, because it's the word of God. It's not Bo Hague. It's not the latest church. It's the word of God. And the activity that I've seen because of the word of God and the power working in me and through me, I cannot explain. And that's why it's because of God. Oh, you say, well, you know, <laughs> show me a scripture. I'll show you one. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. Listen to what this says about the Bible. It says, the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Reviving the soul. The statutes or testimonies of the Lord are what? Trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are what? Right. Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are what? Radiant. Giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is what? Pure. Enduring what? forever the ordinances or rules of the lord are sure and altogether righteous they are more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey the honey from the comb by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward you say why should it be our authority why is the word of god the expert why is god the expert listen if you will If you will trust in the Word of God, if you will trust in God, listen, the Word of God is perfect. It's trustworthy. It's full of wisdom. It's full of forgiveness. It's full of righteousness. It's full of purity. It's sure. It's more precious than gold, and it's sweeter than honey. And if you will follow it, and if I will follow it, guess what? We will receive great reward. So here's the question. Who is going to be our authority is it going to be you is it going to be the culture or is it going to be god and god's word that's what we have to establish before we can ever talk about love sex dating and marriage and so that's the foundation that we're going to build on and in closing i want to leave you with this challenge okay here's the challenge One of the scariest things that I see happening nowadays is this. I see happening in our world today, people giving away prematurely, out of God's will, and with no worries about the consequences. They're giving these things away. Let me give you some things. They're giving their hearts away. You may have a teenager, and you may be fearful that they're going to give their heart away. Listen, you need to be in their lives. You need to bring them next week because we're going to talk about all the things that teenagers, all the things that single people need to know about dating, sex, and marriage. So bring the teenagers, bring the single people. But here's the thing. I see people, I see teenagers, I see adults who are bearing all to someone that they've only known for two days. And it's not face-to-face, it's on Facebook. 
Listen, people, God desires for you to guard your heart. You say, well, how do I know? The Bible tells me, Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of your life. Listen, people, if you will, if you give your heart away prematurely, it takes the life out of you. Then you go into another relationship that God intended for you to have, and you have half your heart because somebody broke it, and they took the peace out of it. We've got to guard our hearts. And you say, is there a time to give my heart away? There is. There's a wonderful time to give your heart away. And it's in God's timing. It's in God's timing. What else do they people give away nowadays prematurely? They give away sex. They give away their their virginity. They give away the thing that God says that makes us one. And and you say, well, you know, I I you know, I hear about teenagers and adults and and they're giving all this stuff away. You know, listen, listen to this. God's design and desire for sex is to be made within the security and the commitment of marriage. That's his design. And you say, well, that's a sorry design. I've had sex outside of marriage, and it's pretty dang good. And it's, uh, as I've said before, it may have been hot, but it wasn't holy. And as a Christian, as a lover of Jesus Christ, if you want God to reward your sex life, it needs to happen within marriage. It does. Song of Solomon, it's a great, uh, great book in the Bible. If you want to blush, read it. You, you think I'm <laughs> out there, read the Song of Solomon. You're going to be like, uh, is that really in here? I mean, is this the Bible? I mean, you will. But here's the thing. God desires for you to give it away, but he has a plan for that. Number three is I believe people are giving away their marriages. Anybody heard that song, Give It Away, by George Strait? Just give it away. This couple right over here, got they got engaged just the other day, Josh and Veronica. They went to the George Strait concert, so they know that song, don't you? Just give it away. There ain't nothing in this house worth fighting over. You remember that song? We're both tired of fighting anyway. Just give it away. Listen, I believe this. There is never a time to give it away. You think, well, I, I need to have this girl. She's more firm. I mean, she's younger. I need to, I need to get into this relationship. My, my wife, she's just all, you know, whatever. I, you know, listen, I'm just going to give my marriage away. No, listen, there's never, that's never a good reason. And listen, you say, well, you know, the Bible gives reasons for us to get divorces, and you're right. But they're probably not any of the reasons that you would see on a divorce paper. Listen, we ought to not give away our hearts. We ought to not give away our sex. We ought to not give away our marriages. Just like Mark 10, Mark 10 verse 9, and, and I don't think it's on the screen, but it says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. And so here's the thing. For the next few weeks, we're going to learn how to keep from giving away the things that God wants us to keep until the time is right. That's what we're going to learn. In the next week, we're going to talk again to teenagers. Bring all the teenagers you want. We're going to make the teenagers blush. All you single people, whether you're 60 or 16, you need to be here. 
If you got a heartbeat, you need to be here. Listen, bring people, because we're going to talk about the truths of God's word so that we can make marriage last till death do us part. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. How many of you, would, and nobody's looking around, but how many of you would say, you know what, Bo, I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat. I'm in that boat. I've done all my relationships probably up to this point, my dating relationships or my marriage. I've done them my way. Would anybody be willing to say that by raising your hand? I've done them my way all across the room. Listen, those of you that raised your hands and you were bold enough, and I thank you for that, maybe your commitment today needs to, be, needs to be this. God, I'm sick of doing it my way. I've learned that my way isn't the right way. And today, I make you the authority of my marriage. I make you the authority of my dating relationships. If it doesn't please you, I'm not going to do it. Because I want you to be my authority, not myself and not the culture. Maybe you need to make that commitment right there in your seat. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're like, you know what, Bo? I don't even know how to give God the authority of my marriage because I don't know God. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never given Him my heart. I don't know what forgiveness feels like. I don't know what peace feels like. I've tried to go to the bars. I've tried to go to the, the honky-tonks. I've tried to go to, you know, other relationships. I've tried sex, and it doesn't fulfill me. Listen, maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. You need to give it away to Him so that He can, he can mold it into the heart that, that, that can be healed from the pain, healed from the regret, healed from the remorse and the shame. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you need that healing. Listen, God can heal your heart through his son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? It's simple. Jesus Christ came to the earth. He died on a cross so that you might have eternal life. And listen, without him, you have no power to say no to sin. Without him, you have no power to make your marriage last till death do you part. And so maybe you need to give your heart to him today. Here's how you do that. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You say, well, what's that word mean? What's that word saved mean? It means this, that you will go from eternal death to eternal life. It means that you will go from a shallow, empty life on earth to an abundant life on earth. And so listen, if you want to pray that right there at your seat and just say, okay, Lord, I give you my heart. I confess you as my Lord. I want you to forgive me of my sin and I want to have you in my life. Listen, you can pray that right now. If that's you, maybe you just said that prayer in your heart. Listen, we want to know about it. 
not because we, we want to keep track records and, and it's all about numbers and we want to have our you know books inflated. No, it has nothing to do with that. We want to know about it so that we can walk alongside of you and encourage you. The devil is real too, and he's going to try to attack you, and you need help. And so listen, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ today, you've made him your authority. Listen, we want to know about it. Here's how we, we, want, we don't invite you to the front. We don't embarrass you. All we ask you to do is grab one of those orange sheets on the guest table, fill it out, place it in the offering bucket, and we will contact you. It's that easy. Don't leave without doing that if you made a decision today. Maybe you've made a decision in the past few months, and you want us to know about that so that we can pray for you. Fill out an orange sheet, place it in the offering bucket, and we will contact you and walk with you through this journey. Listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. If you need to visit, if you need to talk, listen, we've got, we've got pastors, we've got friends that will love to talk to you. And we will meet you on the north side out here, right by our guest table. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you're the God of the universe and that we can trust you even with relationships. Even in times of desperation, even in times of, of, of prosperity, we can trust you. And so, Lord, reveal to us your plan for our relationships. Not so that we can, we can gloat over the world, not so that we can show them something, but so that we can glorify you. And we can see others pass from that sorry relationship to a, a relationship that flourishes and that lasts so long as we both shall live. So, Lord, we give you the glory. And we ask your blessing on the next few weeks as we talk about a subject that's dear to your heart. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here.